Today's Mother's Day. I want to welcome all of you to our Mother's Day service. Uh, and of course, this is the time where normally we would honor our mothers in the service, and you deserve more honor than just an announcement from the podium, but we're not all here in person. But we also want to uh, honor our first-time mothers. We always make a special uh, effort to honor our first-time mothers. Uh, now, of course, anytime you start looking at who's first-time mothers and naming names, there's a possibility of leaving someone out. Uh, we don't know for sure if, if we've left anyone out. We, we hope we haven't. In a live service, people could, of course, call our attention to that. And uh, you can't do that, but I want you, if we've left somebody out, to mention that on your screen. But I know of three uh, first-time mothers that we want to welcome into the wonderful world of motherhood and to honor you, of course, and to celebrate with you this your first Mother's Day. Faith Phillips, who had little Hazel Grace earlier this year, Janae Joslyn with Luna Jewel, and Kayla Skelton with Olivia Dawn. Happy first Mother's Day to you. We have some first-time grandmothers then. Cherie Samples, of course, became a first-time grandmother when Olivia Dawn came along. And, of course, Marla Dodson, first-time grandmother. Braden and Jeannie had little Bodie Grant earlier this year. Happy first-time grandmothers in our Mother's Day. And happy Mother's Day to all of you. We'll be looking at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bible while you're turning, uh, attendance is always significant uh, in church, and there are three Sundays that we normally have high attendance. We call them our CME Sundays, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. Uh, and of course, some of you may be looking at this passage of Scripture and say, Poor Brother Eric, he grabbed the wrong sermon on the way out. This is not the Christmas Sunday. This is the Mother's Day Sunday. Well, we want to look at the Christmas story this morning. Because the Christmas story, if you'll realize as we walk our way through, is very appropriate today. Luke chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has conceived a son in her old age. This was now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judea, entered to the house of Zacharias, and greeted Elizabeth. 
Now it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. There will be fulfillment in those things which were told her from the Lord. There are a lot of characters in the Christmas story. Any kind of time you would have the Christmas play, you'll have, of course, Mary and Joseph. And then you'll, of course, encounter the innkeeper and the shepherds and the wise men, angels all throughout. And then you can't forget Herod. Herod even overshadowed everyone in that day and time. Two other characters are involved in the Christmas story, and we usually look at them at the first part of December. They're overlooked a lot of times, Zacharias and Elizabeth. And even then, Zacharias gets the spotlight. Now, we're going to look into the Christmas story on Mother's Day and look at Elizabeth. Now, if we look at Elizabeth, she has something in common with almost every other mother. Like most other mothers, her life and work was overshadowed by the other people and events around her. Her work was behind the scene. Her work was unseen. Uh, and it was basically overlooked and ignored by a lot of people who didn't make the news. She provides an example for all of us. And as we look at her life, not only honoring motherhood, but let's look at our own lives and look at how we can learn from her. First of all, we see a powerful summary. Her life is summarized in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, and this gives up the background of just who Elizabeth was. There was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. They were both well advanced in years. So it was, while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled. Fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias. Your prayer is heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He will be great in the sight of the Lord shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Verse 24, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. She hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. 
Now this uh, gives us the background that there was an aged couple. This aged couple is the first characters we're introduced to in the Christmas story. And the aged couple had no children. This was a, a point of sorrow and prayers to them. And the angel said, your prayer is heard. Your wife will conceive even in her old age. And the son that you will have will be the forerunner and will announce the coming of the Messiah. This is what we know about Zacharias and Elizabeth. But then there's another small detail that we want to look at. We don't want to overlook. The summary of these two is found in verse 6. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. They were both righteous, Zacharias and Elizabeth. What we know about Elizabeth, she was righteous. She was righteous before God. I think the New American Standard Bible says righteous in the sight of God. What God saw in her heart, God saw that she was righteous. She was righteous because her heart was right with God. She was righteous through the faith in God. The faith that God would provide a Messiah. She looked forward to that time in her salvation. Her righteousness was rooted in the faith of God. But the Greek word here is very interesting, and several Greek scholars pointed this out. <clears throat> Her righteousness is, yeah, it was right with God, but the Greek word specifically expresses it was a righteousness that others could see. Her heart was right with God, and it showed. Her outward life was righteous. She was known for right living. It's a good example for all of us. Be right with God and make sure that your rightness with God is seen by others by the way you live. It also says walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. She was in church. See, the ordinances of the Lord all had to do with the temple. It all had to do with their church at the time, which was the temple sacrifices and worship and, of course, attendance to the synagogue. When we look at the life of Elizabeth, Elizabeth was right with God. Her behavior was right before others. And she was definitely in church. Now, last Sunday, Brother Jeremy did a masterful job of expressing the importance of church in the life of a believer. That we, perhaps in theory, can serve God without being a part of a church. But you can serve God to your ultimate fulfillment by being a part of the church. And walking in the ordinances meant that she was in church. So we know of John the Baptist. John the Baptist came up in church. And you might say, but of course, Zacharias was a priest. <clears throat> you would think he would be in church. Well, <clears throat> her heart was right with God and her walk was right with God. And she saw the importance of church. That's a good example for all of us. Of course, you also notice the memorable visit. Mary came to her house. A memorial visit that she would never forget. As soon as Mary found out that she was expecting and got this wonderful news that she would be mothering the child of God, it says, now Mary arose in those days. That meant it was almost immediately. It was very quickly <clears throat> that she went to see Elizabeth. Now, several reasons for this, and it might be noted, of course, once it was found out that she was expecting, 
and not married yet to Joseph, it would be a scandal. It would be a scandal and she would be brought before the priest. And the judgment would be very harsh against her. Now, of course, even though her pregnancy was not obvious yet, the first thing she wanted to do was to go to the house of Elizabeth. Now, if you remember, Zacharias was a priest. You would think that would be the last place she would want to go. But she knew Elizabeth. And we notice in the passage of Scripture, it was her relative. She was related to Elizabeth. Elizabeth's compassion and love made her home a safe place for Mary. Mary, of course, no doubt was filled with some uncertainties about what's going to happen, how this is going to happen, how people would respond, what people would say about her. There were a lot of uncertainties. She, no doubt, may have been facing a lot of harshness, but she knew the home of Elizabeth was not that kind of home. She could find a refuge. She could find a safe place because of the compassion of Elizabeth. Elizabeth could be trusted. Can you imagine how other people would react to this news that Mary would tell them as to why she was expecting and not married? Who would believe her? Elizabeth would. Elizabeth could be trusted with the news that she had. Elizabeth also was filled with the Spirit of God. In verse 41, as it happened, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with with the Holy Spirit. Talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. A lot of people get a little nervous about that. So there's a lot of things going on about the Holy Spirit. What does it mean? Being filled with the Spirit. How do we know? How does it show itself in our life? And many people find this very complicated. Well, the good news this morning is that Jesus simplifies what being filled with the Spirit is all about. And the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We find that in the book of John chapter 15. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 15, verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Did you catch that? The Holy Spirit will testify of me. The primary work of the Holy Spirit is to testify of Jesus Christ and to explain Jesus Christ and to reveal Jesus Christ. Very next chapter, chapter 16, verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So what is this business of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, a lot of times people complicate it because they won't talk about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit you just have to have. And people get where they can't understand the gifts. of What are the fruits of the Spirit? What's the gifts of the Spirit? Well, those things are explained in the New Testament. But the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, none of these are designed to cast the spotlight on the individual or even on the Holy Spirit, or even on that particular gift. The most notable evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God is when our lives reveal Jesus Christ to others. 
The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will testify of me. He will glorify me. He will not even call attention to himself. It will be all about Jesus when we're filled with the Spirit. Didn't Jesus say this in verse 27? As soon as he said that he will testify of me, he says, and you will also bear witness. He'll testify of me. You'll bear witness. That's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is all about. And Elizabeth did just that. She said this, the mother of who? My Lord. She testified that the son of Mary was the son of God, my Lord. She was filled with the spirit and she was filled with the spirit to the point where she testified of Jesus Christ. Elizabeth also was humble. In verse 43, why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? <clears throat> why did I get this blessing? Why was it granted? Why was I counted worthy that you would come to my house? She was very humble, acknowledging that the presence of Christ is indeed an undeserved gift for all of us. The presence of Christ is an undeserved gift. None of us deserve the love of Christ. None of us deserve the presence of Christ. But God in his mercy has granted to us that Jesus Christ indeed was born. Indeed did live a life and was crucified for our sins. Buried, rose again the third day. And now makes himself available to us. We don't deserve that. Never did. Never will. But the gift of God is Jesus Christ to us. And she realized that. And she was humble. Elizabeth was also a woman of faith. In verse 45, she said, Blessed is she who believed there will be a fulfillment of they, those things which were told her from the Lord. This was quite fantastic, what Mary was telling her. But you have to back up and see it was quite fantastic that Zacharias and Elizabeth were expecting a son because she was well advanced in years. I think the, uh, the King James says stricken in years. In other words, they were old, old, old. And she was expecting. She knew nothing was impossible with God. And so what she was saying is this. God will do what he said he'll do. How'd she know this? Personal experience. But she also believed the Bible. You see, scriptures from the very earliest predicted the coming of the Messiah. And she knew that God would do what he said he would do. <clears throat> now that Messiah's on the way, she didn't find that as a surprise. Why? God said it would happen. And she was a woman of faith that even in uncertain times, God would do what he said he would do. And she believed his word and she believed the Bible. So let's summarize this. What can we learn from Elizabeth? She was righteous before God. Heart was right with God. But her righteousness could be seen by others. She lived right. She, of course, saw the importance of having her family in church. Her place, her home was a place of refuge. Her love and compassion 
made it a safe place for even Mary to come. She could be trusted. Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit of God. How do we know? Her life testified of Jesus Christ. She was humble, acknowledging that the presence of Christ is a gift. And she was a moment of faith. When God says something, she knew he will do it. Now, the hard work of motherhood is indeed unseen and a lot of times unnoticed. And it is very, very difficult and not appreciated nearly enough. Especially when we look at Elizabeth, not only she was a mother, she was a mother to a boy. And boys bring their own different challenges to motherhood. Now, some of you mothers are now throwing your hand on your hip. You say, well, how do you know that since you're not a mother? Well, I know that because I was a little boy. I was not only a little boy, I was the second component to a matching set. My twin brother and I, we were little boys in every sense of the word. I know how hard we probably made it on my mom. But she was faithful, she was just, she was patient, and she worked hard. And I'll never, ever be able to appreciate her enough. As I get older, I realize how difficult I must have been as a little boy. And I appreciate more and more what my mama did. Motherhood, a lot of times, goes unnoticed. The hard work goes unappreciated, not nearly enough, and it's unseen. But I want to close with this, and this is for all of our mothers who work hard, you have frustrations, you have heartaches nobody sees, but in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget or overlook your work and labor of love. God sees it. God sees you. God appreciates you. God notices you. And today, God, I'm sure, honors you along with the rest of us as we honor you on Mother's Day. Thank you is not nearly enough to express appreciations for our mothers. And if you can express appreciation to your mother, she's still living, you do that before the day is up. But you make it a part of what you do all year long. But for the rest of us, we thank God for our mothers. We thank God for the love that he gives in a home. We thank God for examples like Elizabeth. And as we look at Elizabeth in the Christmas story on Mother's Day, let's learn from these things. And let's make our lives more like hers. Let's pray together before we close. Father, we thank you for mothers. I thank you for my mama. I thank you, Father, for the home that she provided. I thank you for the mothers in our church and as evidence for all the children who are in our church that these mothers work hard to get kids ready to come to church when we have church and to bring them. Honor, Father, their efforts. Bless, Father, their work today. Soothe, Father, the frazzled nerves and the hard times that may come with sick children and with frustrations. We ask that you would lift up heavy hearts today. Father, we ask that uh, as we come to you at the close of this service, let this word find its place in our lives. Let us live by the example of Elizabeth, a godly mother, and let us do better and be better for you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, and may God bless. Happy Mother's Day.